Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy! Five, four, three, two, one. What up, everybody? Welcome into the Mass and All Access podcast. Bobby Blanco, Paul Mancano, your hosts. And the Nationals are going through a little bit of a tough time there, Paul. They got swept yeah. in Milwaukee by a very good Brewers club. Um, they dropped two out of three to the Phillies in Philadelphia. It's a brutal start to what we talked about last week, which is a brutal stretch of uh, road games. Brutal would be the good word for it, Bobby. They have uh, really struggled, uh, and I know injuries are obviously a concern, and we'll talk about how much of a concern. Uh, they got Anthony Rendon back. That's good to see, but they're obviously still missing Trey Turner, um, still missing Juan Soto. But at this point, it, it just you would hope that they would be able to stay afloat without these guys, and they just haven't. They are... Two and eight in their last ten. They yep. have a run differential on the season of minus twenty three, which is pretty shocking and and unreal. And they've lost f- four in a row. So now fourth in the division. Now fourth in division. They are in fact closer to last place than first place. They are only three games of oh, excuse me four games above Miami for last place in division, while they're seven games back of the Phillies. So they're trending in the wrong direction and going the opposite way, which most fans figured. Actually, people in baseball all over thought they would go uh, in terms of they're heading toward the basement of the division as opposed to the top. Yeah, I, I would say kind of things have varied depending on because coming into this season, you know, the Phillies and the Mets especially added pieces, but we still didn't know how all those pieces were going to work out. So I think, you know, like optimists saw those and, and thought that those teams would be able to rise, but you still we before the season bobby predicted that the nats i predicted that the nats would win the division i I think we both did yeah so um considering how much talent i mean regardless of the other talent in the division you know the the nats have enough to have more talent than their record shows and they have uh too much talent to be 14 and 22 at this point is their record a reflection of their injuries or lack of production or both? That's Yeah, I think that's a fair question to pose. Definitely injuries have been a factor. But you look at the guys who are injured. I mean, we don't have enough of a sample size for Trey Turner because he got so hurt early on in the season. Ryan Zimmerman on the IL, he was struggling. Matt Adams wasn't playing in a full full-time role just yet he had literally just started filling in for Ryan Zimmerman as the starter first baseman and then he went on the IL Anthony Rendon was having a fantastic year before he hit the injured list Juan Soto was playing fine you know a little bit of a sophomore slump yeah right which is to be expected we we all expected that but still a contribution to the lineup he goes to the I mean it's just time after time player after player is just dropping like flies and it's interesting that you look at this team as a whole, and we've talked for weeks now, almost months, on how this bullpen is the weakest spot. And you would think, you know, just looking at the straight numbers, like, man, this bullpen has got to be beat up. The bullpen hasn't suffered that many injuries. Uh, Trevor Rosenthal got sent back down. I, I don't know if that's an actual <laughs> injury or if that's just a— That was a viral infection. Right. Let's, let's, let's go— uh, get him try to reset at extended spring training. Yeah. And then Tony Sip, I believe, landed on the aisle the other day. Yeah. That's about it. So the bullpen, for what it's worth, is actually healthy. 
Yep. And they're still not producing. And so that which is a bigger concern, the lineup not producing because of injuries or the bullpen not producing because they're and while actually healthy. Yeah, and the other thing is that the rotation has been fully healthy. I don't think anybody has missed a start because of injuries so far. No, they've been great. Um so the that I, I don't know if they're I mean their their health has been great. The production has not been <laughs> like I still obviously the bullpen steals the spotlight, if you will, in terms of they take a lot of the blame because they are the worst in baseball right now per ERA. But the rotation that was all this money was invested into all of this bolstering happened in the offseason. We've seen individual performances be very good, um, but right now. There, there's no standout at this point. Nobody has an ERA under three and a half runs. Um, the top three guys, Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin, all have eerily similar ERAs, by the way. 378, 371, and 371. And then the back two guys in that in the rotation just have not been very good. San- Anibal Sanchez still hasn't gotten a win. And Jeremy Hellickson just got shelled the other day. They, those guys have both have ERAs over five and have not been very good. So... You know, we expected the bullpen, I guess, to be a little bit troublesome, and they've been, you know, they have not met those expectations. They've been way worse. But the starting rotation, we expected to be dominant. I mean, we didn't expect, you know, we were talking about them not being just the best rotation in the division, but maybe in baseball coming right. into this year. Yeah, they've been fine, okay, but at least they the have top not, half. The top half has yeah. been more than okay. It's the bottom half that's kind of it, the, all, trudging as, along. As a five-man group, they have not been even close to dominant. Well, Paul, consider this, and this is from Thomas Boswell at the Washington Post. The Nats are third in major. The Nats, the Nats pitching staff. They are third in Major League Baseball in fielding independent pitching at three point seven zero, but they're twenty fourth in the in all of baseball with a four point nine four ERA. So. Is the staff actually doing okay, and it's the defense behind them? Well, the defense was awful in Milwaukee. Oh, absolutely atrocious. And and here's the other thing, too, is that these mistakes that we're seeing across the board, we understand that there's a lot of young players playing. I mean, Victor Robles is starting basically his first full major league campaign. Juan Soto is sophomore year. Carter Keyboom got called up out of necessity because of Trey Turner's injury and other injuries across the board. He didn't play well. But it's not just the young guys making mistakes anymore. It's the veterans who yeah. are playing sloppily as well. We saw Kurt Suzuki mishandle a couple bunt plays, like easy plays yeah. in Milwaukee. Uh, Brian Dozier is not playing great at second base anymore. Um, Adam Eaton missed playing balls in, out, in the, the outfield. One of the most bizarre plays. Right. Him missing that fly ball. Which it looks like, how did that happen? Yeah. Because they're playing indoors ish like where did, there's like can't, yeah. can't blame it on like a draft coming through or right. like a, the, a gust the, of wind the roof was on um i guess you could i i, I haven't yet heard his expo have you heard his explanation no, for that i did not um that was one of the most bizarre plays he overran the ball tried to come back it bounced inbounds and then or inside the foul line and then went over the railing. It seemed like all of the Nats outfielders were struggling to catch yeah. ball or, or track balls due to the roof. Apparently, maybe the roof is white and it's hard to fall. I mean, and the Brewers are just used to it. Well, there was a play in Colorado, I remember, a few weeks ago where Adam Eaton just straight up missed a ball in yeah. right field. Just mm-hmm. totally lost it, went over his head, and I think so, uh, somebody got a double out of it. It's bizarre. Yeah. Um, and for a team that... Everybody was preaching getting back to the fundamentals coming into this year. We talked about the fundamentals on our last podcast and how they have not, you know, done well in that category. Hashtag the little things. It, it's really frustrating um, at this point because 
it's it, it, you know it is the hashtag little things and it's there are so many it's not like they're even average they are well below average on just routine plays and it's it is clearly as you mentioned with that stat clearly impacting um, the team and it just feels like it, it's so weird because it feels like they are just out of games in, in the Milwaukee series they were like out of the game um fairly early and Mark Zuckerman was tweeted you know in their last 10 losses how the Nats were like in these games a lot um you know up until the very end for a lot of these games they led in the seventh whatever it was but they they felt like there were still a few games in there that their defense would just they they would find themselves in like a two nothing hole after the first inning because of bad defensive plays that can't happen. Yeah, that just can't happen. That exactly. Often. Um, let's let's talk about that uh, tweet you're referring to by the Mark Zuckerman. In their last ten losses, think about this: the Nationals have an order too. Mm-hmm. Led in the seventh. These are all losses. These yeah. all all these resulted in a loss. Yeah. Led in the seventh. They were tied in the tenth inning. They led in the fifth. They trailed by one run from the fourth through the ninth inning. They trailed by two in the eighth inning. They led in the sixth. They trailed by one in the sixth. They led in the seventh, were tied in the seventh, and then brought the tying run to the plate in the ninth. Yeah. In the last two and a half weeks, they're three and fourteen, and two of those losses required huge comebacks against the Padres and the Phillies. It's just everything that can be go wrong for the Nationals has gone wrong. I want to go back and talk about the defense ball because I'm looking it up on Fangraphs right now, mm-hmm. and the Nationals collectively as a unit have a minus fourteen defensive rating. And they have collectively as a whole team minus thirty two defensive run saves. Yeah. I mean, and that obviously goes to show with their their run differential being at minus twenty three. But it's just all across the board. You it's hard to point I don't think you can actually point to one bright spot that they have over the past two and a half weeks. No. I mean, maybe this top of the rotation, maybe Max and Str- Max gave a heck of an effort the other night in Milwaukee. So did Steven Strasburg. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Corbin is going to go tonight in, in Los in Los Angeles. But other than that, no. I mean, Howie Kendrick, maybe he's he's yeah. got a hot bet. He had a couple homers. Um, Kurt Suzuki had a phenomenal series in Philly. But then again, the defense kind of suffered in in Milwaukee. So even when there are bright spots, Paul. Yeah there's like a counterpoint that was like, well, it's not that bright. You know, it's like, yeah. there's something like the, like the rotation. Well, the top three guys are great, but Jeremy Hellicks and Anibal Sanchez have been pretty bad as yeah. of late. Yep. Anibal Sanchez still doesn't have a win on his record yet. And Max Scherzer only, only has, has one. one. <laughs> right. But still that's Max Scherzer. Again, he is still pitching really well on yeah. his outings. And that goes to, that's going to like back to run support and defense yep. behind him. We saw and the bullpen blowing leads. Right. Right. And we saw, I mean, we saw the other day, um, I, I don't think it was because Carter Keebum had already been sent down, but his previous start, Carter Keebum cost Max a couple of rungs early. Yep. And that and that cost the Nationals the game. And what we're seeing also, like, obviously we remember last year, and it's so easy to call back to last year, the Nats were in much better shape at this point last year. Still not great, but they were still right around 500. And when Juan Soto came up, I mean, you could make an argument that Juan Soto you can't say saved the season because they didn't even make the playoffs, right. but he saved was he, a bright spot. He a bright spot and kept them afloat. Yeah. For all of the injuries that they suffered last year, Juan Soto playing out of his mind, totally unexpected as a 19 year old kept them afloat. Yeah. You bring up Carter Keboom and it's natural to like compare it, but we, you know, that just shows that Juan Soto's don't happen. You they don't I, happen very often right. at all. And you and I talked about how it was, it's unfair. Yeah. Cause uh, Juan Soto was once-in-a-lifetime talent and had a once-in-a-lifetime rookie season, you know, 
again, in my mind, he was a rookie of the year, but obviously I, that's that's history now. That's been the past, and it's unfair to to compare Carter Keebum coming up to Juan Soto. And I think we've seen that. And 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 even so, like remember, Juan Soto wasn't even supposed wasn't even on the Nationals' radar to be coming up last season. Yeah. It was because of the injury to Victor Robles that they had to yep. out of need again. Carter Keebum, everyone expected he was going to be the first prospect to be brought up this year, and he rightfully was, but it was more out of need. There was a reason yeah. he didn't start with the Nationals this season. Uh, Mike yeah. Rizzo adamantly said during spring training, we're not confident in his defense at shortstop. Yeah, um, and he his, saw it. Yeah, absolutely. And his bat, you know, while he, he has great potential, his, and, and but let's get him some AAA at-bats. Yeah. And he literally had his first handful of AAA at-bats before coming out to the big league club because, again, he played all AA last year. Yeah. So uh, it was just unfair. Um, and I don't think any Nationals fans or anyone in the media are criticizing him too much. I mean, he rightfully so for his mistakes, but it's also just t- taken with a grain of salt, being like, you know, I, we we knew this kid wasn't yeah. quite ready yet. You know, his debut weekend was, was exciting, hitting the two home runs and all. But over the course of time, yeah. we just saw that he wasn't ready yet. And that's totally fine. Yeah, well, and that goes back to... He shouldn't have to do that. Like, right? Yeah, it's not. Juan Soto had to do that in right. order to keep the team afloat. It's not like the Nationals are one of these rebuilding teams that yeah. are bringing up their prospects early to give them like uh, major league at bats. Yeah, and out of need or just out of you know they didn't need to. It's just they ended up having to because of injuries. Yeah, going back to last year, Paul, you brought up last year. Here's the difference right now, and and we kind of hinted at this last week. The Nationals in 2018 finished March and April collectively 13 and 16, so they're three games below 500. But they went on to have a 20 and seven May. Yeah, they had an awesome May, amazing May. And we kind of said last week, you know, they were around the same time. There, I mean, excuse me, they were around the same uh, path this year, where they finished March and April at 12 and 16. Mm-hmm. So. Four games under five runs, yeah. so it was slightly, slightly the same. But they've now started May two and six, and yeah. that is now not a good way. Considering after last year's spectacular May, you've you're one loss short already in the first week of the month of the month than you had all of last month. Well, here's a stat all, for you all too. of last May. Here's a stat for you too. On April twenty fourth of this year, they were a game and a half out of first place. Now they're seven games out of first place. Yeah. It's not just, you know, that they don't have... Last year, they didn't have much margin for error, and this year, they have even less. Right. We know... I think we... Obviously, the quote-unquote still early, we're still in May. I wouldn't say it's still early, but, um, you know, we're not even a, a quarter of the way through the season, so, you know, things can change. But I think now we realize the Phillies are legitimate. I think now we realize the Braves are at least close to what they were last year. And the Mets should be at least better than what they were last year. So the the margin for error is even less than it was last year. Well, the it, caveat for last year's it's still early was that no one expected the rest of the division to be that yeah, good. So yeah. it's like, all right, they still, they're still the best team on paper in this division. Yeah. They still have time to turn it around. No one was really expecting, because again, Atlanta showed up Early, like a yeah. season early, like we saw the Yankees a couple of years ago, they showed up a season earlier than expected, and so the they were contenders, and and the Philly were solid was yeah. was a tough out, and yeah. and so were the, I mean the Mets crumbled near the end of the season, but they had a, they were a tough out at the beginning of the season. Now I think the it's early narrative is you can't say that because again 
the that narrative is based on the assumption that the rest of the division isn't good. Right. Now we know the rest of the division is very good yeah. in terms of the Phillies, Mets, and Braves. Yeah. So the, I don't I don't I don't buy into that narrative anymore because you can't. I so because now you're battling uphill against top three top competitive teams. I don't think the NL East is going right. to produce. I do I do believe now. <laughs> this is why. Uh, beginning of season predictions are interesting and fun. I do believe now that the National League East is not going to get more than one team in the playoffs. Whoever wins the division is going to be in we'll, the playoffs. We'll see. I, I think they're just going to beat up on each other too much. They might. They might. And I know. Th- and you know, I think that's a conversation because I think the NL Central is still like overall has better teams at the top there. Um, I still think you know they're though that division can probably produce three playoff teams in theory with the Cubs, the way they've been playing the Cardinals um, and the Brewers are still, as we mentioned, a playoff caliber team. So I think, yeah, probably that's that division ends up sending three teams to the playoffs. But um, yeah, I, I, you can't say it's still early because of the record. Yeah. The record is if they were around 500, you could still say it's still early quote unquote, you know, if, if they were showing flashes true flashes of being that's what may was about last year is they showed they were like okay this was the team that we all expected them to be this was the team that we expected them to dominate you know and it was just a matter of getting it all together this year you just have not seen those flashes yeah you haven't and and it's it's crazy to think you, you we're not you know our expectations have been lowered by this team right as they said Mark Zuckerman again tweeted out a quote from uh, Davey, I think, that was like, "They, you know, we need to get back to just playing good baseball. We're not even worried about wins and losses at this point." You kidding me? It's May, and this team was expected to win the division. Yeah, like you're you're now worried about not necessarily wins and losses. That's what a rebuilding team does. Yeah, they don't worry about wins and losses. They just worry about playing good baseball. You're not a rebuilding team, (laughs) right? You you have to be. You have to have higher expectations, but. The way that these past few weeks have gone, all of a sudden our expectations have been long. I, I don't think completely gone for this team, but I think we have to we have to alter them. Yeah. At this, at, at what point, you know, they're they're what eight games below five hundred. At what point do we say this team is not the best team in the division, and it would take a superhuman effort for them to win the division or to make the playoffs? Right, and that's that's upsetting for that to happen on May 9th. For us to be having that conversation now, um, so that also got me thinking, Bob. If if this team truly is playing, is the team that it, they are playing like, if this team is the fourth best team in the division, if this team is going to be several games below five hundred and out of the first place spot in the NL East for a majority of the season, do you have to sell? Because last year, they didn't want to sell. They waited as long as they possibly could. And then they had the non-waiver trade deadline after July 1st to sell off some of their key pieces. Now, they don't have that, number one. And number two, they're eight games below 500. So at some point, you know, last year, they could tell, they could at least look at the roster and say, we can still win this thing five and a half games out or whatever they were at the trade deadline right around 500, we can still do this. The way this is trending, it's not trending that way. It's trending towards they're going to be well out of it by the trade deadline. So do you have to sell? Yeah. And at what point do you make that decision? Well, uh, to to answer that question, I would say I I still abide by Mike Rizzo's philosophy of let's wait till Memorial Day weekend and 
do a full evaluation. I okay. think that's a fair, yeah. that's a full two months into the season. Um, and knock on wood, hopefully by that time, the Nationals will have some healthy players back and, and getting guys back in the lineup and looking more like they're, I'm not saying playing like their normal selves, hopefully, but like at least a lineup looks more like it's normal right. self, like the way they're playing. But but how many games, what would the record have to be in theory at, at Memorial Day to convince you that this team could still win the division? So what if what if they're what if they're still like six games below 500? Then yeah, I was I was gonna say they have to be closer to or at 500. Okay, yeah, and that's again that would take tough. a heck of a run over and the next jump weeks. a couple places in the standings. So they're yeah. currently behind, right behind the Mets. They're two and a half games behind the Mets, but they have in the coming weeks seven games against right. the Mets, and then they also have four games against the Marlins and then two against the Braves. So right. they have division games coming up. You know, obviously, right now it looks like all hope is lost. This is a tough division. Uh, sorry, tough road trip. You're now starting a four game series on the road against the best team in the league and the Dodgers, but then you come back home. And you play the Mets, you play the Cubs, then you go on the road, play the Mets, come yeah. back against the Marlins, blah, 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 blah. Uh, you know, there's opportunity that's still there. You know, we, maybe I, I got to just talk about how it's, I'm not buying into the too early for the division. I'm going to say it's too early to quit on this month. Right. On the month okay. of May. Yeah. Leading up to Memorial Day weekend. Because Memorial Day weekend is the weekend they play the Marlins at home. You know, if they are, if they somehow, you know, win the series against the Mets, both series, so that's, say, winning four out of seven games, if not more. Take a series against the Cubs, who are now suddenly the hottest team in baseball, and you go into that weekend and maybe sweep the Marlins, at least win three or four, and then you're back to yeah. a game or two, if not at 500. I mean, that's that's but, a good way to turn your season. I mean, that's, that's counting on a lot, I know. Right. But I'm saying there's op- it's an opportunity. My, my thing, though, is I just haven't seen a version of the Nats that can do that yet. I haven't right, seen that. Right. I mean, what's their longest win streak this yeah. season? It's got it's I think uh, two games. Uh, three have they won three games in a row so far? Longest win streak is two games. Yeah, I don't think they've won three, three games. which is what they're riding on currently. And I'm I know it's it is May, and you know we have to look at everything in in terms of the timing. But my thing is also if I'm not of the belief that you know you get as close to the trade deadline before you make your decision. I like your idea of of. Memorial Day because also look, right we, I don't we, think I also don't think that they're gonna they're they might be haunted by the ghosts of last year in right. terms of how they approach the deadline because well, like you said they had to wait till afterwards and yeah and where they got well, and nubbins back for trading off the guys like Murphy and Adams yeah well now they can't do that right that's what I'm saying deadline that's what I'm and yeah and so now I believe that Mike Rizzo is going to be using Memorial Day as a hard deadline as to making his final evaluations and right. assumptions and be like okay this we now we're two months in now we know who we right. are this team's not going anywhere this year we're gonna have to sell yeah. and the other thing is or we made it close let's wait it out a little bit more because we have two more months to, we have at least two more months to decide but that's the thing do you really have that because here's the thing you will know by memorial day no but yeah yeah but here i'm saying it's may 9th right now we don't right. know right now no yeah yeah absolutely but i think there are some fans that are saying why memorial day you know why not wait until july 1st or whatever but my thing is you you recognize on this team, we all see there are huge flaws on this team. Well, yeah. So the thing is, they if you're going to be a buyer, you're going to have to buy guys as soon as possible to get back, just to get back in the race. You know? You're going to have to get some some relievers to get back in the race. I think at this point, we realize this bullpen is not going to be good at the well, very least. I was going to say, who, what relievers do people want? 
Doolittle? No, yeah. No, I no, no, I mean for the nationals. For the national like if 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 they have to make a decision if they're still putting it off and saying on July first, uh maybe we Oh, can so now still in this get- scenario they're buyers. I'm confused well, as to where they are right now. The, my thing is they have to make a decision at some point because right. y- your thing is Memorial Day, but I think some fans are thinking, why Memorial Day? That's too early. But the thing is, you you have to make a decision sooner rather than later. Right. Because if you're not, you know, you can't sit on your hands and hope that they're going to get better. You have to make a decision. I, I agree with you. I think it has to be around Memorial Day that you say, if you're going to say we're buyers, then good. Then you got to get relievers now because yeah. you can't wait until July 31st to get relievers because you're probably going to be out of the race. It, 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 and it goes with like the Gerardo Paro, Gerardo Parra signing. Parra. Uh, it, it, they can't just sit on their hands and wait. So if they're going to be buyers, go, go right now, go in June, <laughs> June first, like they did last year when they got Kelvin Herrera. Get relievers and get them ASAP. Okay, I'm with and you if now. they're going to be sellers, then they can wait a little bit on that, I think, and just see what the market has to hold. But they can't. What they can't do is think that they're going to still be in it. By July 31st, if they're several games below 500 and they're not making any moves. Oh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. We yeah. got, we, it took a while, but we got there. No, I'm totally with you. <laughs> yeah. so, and, and that's just how the market goes every yeah. year. It's like buyers need to buy early because that's when the prices are the lowest, and sellers need to sell late because that's when teams yeah. get desperate. Exactly. And the, Nats, the thing is, though, that if the Nats are going to be buyers, they're going to be desperate in a few weeks because of where they are in this Well, it's also crazy that like everyone has been – clamoring for the nationals to fix the bullpen but like right now it's like they can't even stay healthy so yeah. like that's the number one concern right now is getting getting anthony rendon they got him back great but get him yeah. back into rhythm he had some sloppy plays at exactly. third the other day he even got tossed from a game um you know getting trey turner back in the next month or whatever it may be ryan zimmerman is on track hopefully to be back by next week same with matt adams yeah. um you know we mentioned tony sip and who knows about trevor rosenthal but you know they're not great, but they're what you have right now. So you need bodies. Yeah. You just need bodies in there. And then you can start evaluating, all right, you know, we don't need this person anymore. We don't need this person. We should go get this person. You right. know, they're not in position right now to go and make moves right now because they're just so depleted. All, yeah. Right now, they need bodies. People yesterday complaining about the Gerardo Power. Gerardo, <laughs> that is tough to say. See, Gerardo see, I'm Parra. I'm going to try to do the, the, uh, yeah, the I can't roll, roll the R's. Uh, the signing. And I'm, I'm, and I'm saying, like, yeah, he got... DFA'd or released by the Giants. worst team in baseball, right? Mm-hmm. But that's because they were trying to bring up their top prospects. You know, they're going through a rebuild. They want to see their young guys play. And yeah, he was hitting below 200, well below 200. But he's a veteran outfielder. You, Paul, not you've seen him here in Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, when he, a couple years ago, when he was here playing with with the Orioles, it, he, he's at least a body you can throw. I mean, that's what they need yeah. right now, and that sucks to say, and that's that's just the reality is that yeah. they right now are not in a position to go out and make these big trades to improve their roster. They need to have a roster. Yeah, yeah. They don't have a complete roster yet because everyone's on the injury list. Yeah, and, you know, people were... Anytime they do something like this, we see it in our mass and national comments. Can he pitch? They say that with everybody. Yeah. You know, we tweet out like a link of a little kid throwing out the first pitch. Can he pitch? Can we get him in the bull? It's just idiots. Yeah. But, you know... I, I think the thinking, as I was trying to explain to somebody, they probably don't want to have Andrew Stevenson out there ever. Like, right. they, yeah. And he's been playing way too many games, and he even got injured. Like so, And the way that Michael A. Taylor is hitting is he, he is abysmal right now at the plate, uh, sad to say. He's hitting like 120-ish. 
So they they just need bodies. I completely agree with you, Bobby. They they you know it's it, the needs are all over the roster. It's not just the bullpen. It's not just um, you, you know the the outfield. It's several areas on this roster that they not just first base. They need help um, in a lot of areas. By the way, Bobby. Yes, Bob. Uh, just thought I'd mention, because we were talking about the rotation earlier, and I brought this up on the last podcast. Do you know uh-huh. what Tanner Roark's ERA is? Uh, it was like four-something last time we spoke. 3.82 now. Dang, under four? Yep. Mm-hmm. Just just a weekly reminder of uh, and we're, ERA. And let's see, it's the Anibal. Oh, that's bad. His batting stats. We don't need those. 5.53? 5.15. is at 5.15. 15, okay. And Jeremy Huxon's at 5.52. Gotcha. Just, hmm. just Strasburg and Corbin have the exact same ERA. Yeah, I know. Isn't that weird? That's it's eerily similar. Ain't baseball great. Ain't baseball great. Um, but I think when we reconvene, Bobby, on this podcast in about a week's time, yes, um, and the Nats are still floundering, uh, I have some notes as to if they want to sell. And you know, I, I think at this point, if I were to bring that up exactly right now and bring up who they should sell, I think fans might jump on me. So I'll say if we re- we'll reconvene in a week. If they're still floundering, I'm going to bring up some of the names that I think that they could deal. Could deal. All right, so in a week's time, they'll have four games played in L.A. against the Dodgers, all late-night games except for Sunday, which starts at 4 o'clock, so a late-afternoon game leading right into your Game of Thrones viewing party. So that'll be fun. And then an off day Monday, and then they host the Mets and Cubs back at Nationals Park. We'll be down at the park at some points next week, so if you're down in D.C. at the waterfront, give us a shout. Yeah. Look us up. I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. Paul, where can the people find you? At Paul Mancano. And they can find the Mass on All Access podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Give us a follow and spread the word. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time.